The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Praise God. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me in your Bibles here to um, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and I'm going to uh, read from uh, just verse 9. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version. Uh, the Amplified Version is that same version that the Apostle Paul and all of the other uh, uh, you know, apostles use. That's the original manuscript. It's the, it's the, uh, the Amplified Bible. Anyway, <laughs> people ask me, why do you use the Amplified all the time? Well, it's the original translation. Amen. <laughs> all right, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 9. It says, do not be carried about. That, that term, to be carried about, means to be borne along or to be blown uh, around like leaves. You know, uh, we've just... Uh, come from uh, Colorado, and and in the fall they have all the leaves that fall on the ground. My lo- my 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 wife here, Kathy, she loves those leaves. She loves picking them up. <laughs> but um, but you know, it's, and then when the winds start blowing, just before the winter comes, and thank God I'm here in nice sunny, yeah. warm, hot. South Africa, and I'm not sitting in the cold there in, in, in Colorado. But um, the wind would blow those leaves. I mean, you, cannot, you, you can't believe the places those leaves go to. And so what he's saying here is don't, don't be carried about or borne along or blown around by different and varied and alien teachings. For it is good. Everybody say it's good. You understand, good is never bad, right? Okay, it is good for the heart to be established. That, that term there, it means to be ennobled or strengthened by means of grace. God's favor and spiritual blessing. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. And again, Lord, as we come, we just uh, set aside. This is, this is the last service here. Uh, for this year. And so, Lord, we just want to set aside the stuff of life, and we just want to uh, allow our hearts and minds to be ready to receive from you this morning, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be ennobled by your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the greatest, greatest privileges that that you and I as believers have is the privilege of participating, of sharing in the eternal, abundant life of God himself. Amen? I mean, it, it, you know, I, I, I'm going to most probably give you a whole bunch of scriptures here you already know, but let's just look at that, just establish that in your life. You know, we as believers, and if you're a believer here today, and I'm, I'm sure that most of you, if not all of you, are believers, and as believers... The wonderful privilege that you and I have is that we are partakers 
of the very life of God. We are sharers in the very life of God. Listen to what Jesus said, John chapter 5, verse 24. I'm just going to go through these things very quickly. He says, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, the person whose ears are open to my words, who listens to to my message and believes and trusts in and clings to and relies on him who sent me. Now listen to these words. This is the Amplified. He says, has, possesses now eternal life. Amen. I mean, it's a beautiful. Is there anybody here who, whose ears are open to his words? One, two, I mean, right? I mean, we all, we, our ears are open, right? So Jesus says, if your ears are open and if you rely on the one who sent him, he says, then, then you're not going to have, you're not uh, going to a place where you'll have eternal life. He says, you possess it right now. You possess that life right now. John chapter 6 and verse 40 says, For this is my Father's will and His purpose, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on Him should have, that's the same term, should have, possess, right now, eternal life. Now, you know, so many people only seem to view eternal life because in the English translation especially, uh, we, we translate the term Zoe, the, which is the Greek term for this, this translation that we have here, eternal life, is, is Zoe life. Amen. It's not just suke life, which is, you know, a, a fleshly kind of life. It is a, it is a, uh, uh, it, it is the Zoe life of God, right? And, and that life is the highest kind of life there is. In fact, when we look at this, uh, most of us, because we've translated that word into eternal life, most people tend to look at eternal life as eternal existence. Come on. Amen? Eternal existence. And so, for the most part, when, when as believers, most believers, we look at eternal, we speak about eternal life, we look at it as eternal existence once we enter into eternity one day, when we enter into eternity, at least our idea is, because you'll hear, you say to me, why, why, why are you going here? Because I hear a lot of Christians, I just want to make sure I'm going, I'm going to make it to heaven. You know, it's like, pastor, I don't know if, if you get this pastor, but you know, when I was pastoring, and even now, I have a lot of Christians, they want to come for, to be assured that I'm going to, at least, I'm going to make it to heaven. Are you sure, Arthur, are you sure that I'm going to make it to heaven? I just want to make sure that, you know, that there's not something that's going to stop me from making it to heaven. Because our idea of eternal life is that one day when I get to heaven, I'm at least going to exist eternally. You know, here's the thing is, everyone is going to exist eternally. There's not a person that's ever been born into this world that's not going to exist for eternity. It just depends on where you're going to exist. It just depends on the environment that you're going to exist in. Amen? So, now here's the thing though. You know, if, if that was the only reality of eternal life, is that I'm going to live eternally with God, 
I mean, that's pretty good. I, I, I think it's a pretty good deal, right? It's a pretty good deal. But you see, the thing is, we've got to realize that for believers, living in the fullness and enjoying the abundant life of God is not just a future goal. It's not just a future goal. You know, we're coming to the end of this year, and I, at least I want us to go into this, this, this next year understanding that I'm not trying to accomplish something as a future goal, but it is my present day reality. It, the truth of the matter is, eternal life for the believer is a present day reality as you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. That's, see, listen, that's why the gospel of Jesus Christ is never about becoming anything. It's never about uh, getting anything. You know, one of the biggest frustrations that, that, that Christians have is that we have made the gospel about becoming something. I'm, 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 I'm going to become holy. No, you can't. You are as holy as you're ever going to be. That's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is, it's not, there's nothing you can become. You are. It's, it's the same thing about healing. The Bible doesn't say, by the stripes of Jesus, you might be healed. It says, by the stripes of Jesus, you were. Yep. Hallelujah. So, you see, the, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ is never about becoming anything. And the frustration that most, most people have in their Christian life is they try to become. I want to become better. I want to become. Listen, you are as good as you're ever going to be. It's, it's, it's actually getting to the place of living out what is already in you. Oh, come on. You see, listen, the, the, the Zoe, if we talk about the Zoe life of God, then the Zoe life of God is speaking about the very life of God himself. What this is talking about is that the life that sustains Almighty God, this, the very life that is sustaining Almighty God, that, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has uh, and, and is experiencing for all of eternity. Jesus said, you are not one day going to get there, you as a believer, if you're a believer, if you trust in Him, you possess that yes, sir. life. Yes, sir. You have it yes, right now. See, the, the Zoe life of God, you know, I don't have the vocabulary. I don't think I have the vocabulary to be able to explain to you what the Zoe life of God is. But I'm going to try. The Zoe life of God is a life of unconditional love, acceptance, Oneness, transparency, generosity, belonging, value, appreciation, uh, prosperity. The life of God, the Zoe life of God is, is, is living in an atmosphere of other-centeredness. Where there's no self-centeredness. Where there's no selfishness. Where there's no self-interest or hidden agendas or ulterior motives, or greed. Uh, the, 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 the Zoe life of God is a life that empowers freedom and strength, where there is no guilt, 
Where there's no condemnation, where there's no shame, where there's no rejection, no fear, no suspicion. A life where there's no corruption, where there's no decay, where there's no loss, where there's no lack of poverty. That's, yeah, I mean, can, you can you see now that the life of God is, is way more than just eternally existing? Amen. That it is a quality of life. Hallelujah. It is a quality of life that we're not one day going to experience. It's speaking about a quality of life that if you believe in Jesus, if you trust in him, he says you possess right now. You have it. Hallelujah. I mean, John, in First John, he talks about, and I'm not going to turn there, but I'm just going to quickly, you know, just First John, that's why he writes and he says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And then he says, I'm writing this to you so that you may know. Wow. See, because, listen, the world that you and I live in, uh, the atmosphere that we live in in this world is always trying to tell you that you don't have it. That you need to do something in order to get it. And so John writes, he says, if you have the son, you have life. Zoe. If you don't have the son, you don't have that life. Makes it very He says, but now I'm writing to you so that you may know. That nobody can, 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 can come and lie to you to say that you don't, you don't have life. I, 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 he says, I'm writing this to you so that you may know. No matter what you face. No matter what you've faced this whole year, there's, there's nothing in this life that can take away the fact that you possess right now, right this very minute, you possess this life. Man, I wish I had a lot more time to talk about this, but you know, even Jesus said, that's what Jesus said. He said that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, but I have come that they might have life, Zoe. I like the Amplified, the original translation, the, re, the original text. Right? He says, the thief comes in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that they might have and enjoy life. You see, it's clear from Scripture that you and I are possessors of the very life of God. That life that we just... Looked, I mean, we just kind of touched on it. A life that is almost a utopia. If you want to call it that. Utopia is really maybe not the right word. But, but it, it, it is living in an atmosphere that goes beyond our natural understanding, right? And, but here's the thing is, unfortunately, many believers today live their lives hindered. Live their lives uh, restricted and limited. Now, of course, we give it lip service. Like so many of us, even, even this morning, if we, so you have life and we all go, yes, hallelujah. And you want to break out in tongues. But the true reality when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of every day, the majority of believers... I'm not experiencing it. Amen. And you know, I, 
Of course, I could come here this morning and I could whip you up. And, and say, but the reality is, is that so many people struggle to actually, they, that life is there. It's given to me. See, there are few things in Christian life that can frustrate a person more than knowing the promises of God. Knowing the promise of, 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 of eternal Zoe life. And then experience little or nothing of it. There's nothing that can frustrate people more than having that. And I've seen this in church. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, 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 and I've experienced this. Where, where I knew these things. But what I was experiencing on a daily basis was totally different to what Jesus said I had. Turn with me in your Bibles and let's go just very quickly. Uh, I'd like you to go there to Ephesians chapter 4. But um, let me say a couple of things. You see, we've got to realize that the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, clearly teaches us that every aspect of your life and my life flows out of the abundance of what's in your heart. And I, tell you, I think a lot of Christians struggle with this. I've actually, uh, I'm, I'm busy at the moment, uh, you know, putting together a whole series of teaching in which I want to teach people how to affect your heart, how to live out of your heart, um, and, 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 and purposely live out of your heart the way that, because you see, the, the problem with us as Christians for the most part is that we've We've made Christianity magic. We, we like to make it magic. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if you totally understand what I mean by that. Is that we want to make Christianity all about, yes, just get the right incantation. And if you, if you like, you know, uh, if you fast long enough. Now, I know that that's not what your pastor has so beautifully explained. This fasting is not going to, to, to twist the arm of God. But for so many people, we've made Christianity about if you just say things right, and if you just do things like this or like that, abracadabra, boom, 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 and there God it brings your miracle, right? Hallelujah! And so we're just always looking for this formula of how can I get God if I can just move right, do right, and get God just to and kabam, and then. When, when there is a miracle, then I go on a speaking tour to tell other people how to make this incantation work. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and, and because of that, we've, we, we've neglected the way God created us to actually function. We've neglected to tap into what God has really given us and made us, he's created us in a certain way that if we would tap into and allow and, and understand how that works, then you can start to live in the fullness of God, what God wants for you uh, effortlessly. Amen. See, listen, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as a man thinks in his heart. You see, we're going to see that every aspect of your life flows out of the abundance 
of what is going on in your heart. See, everything God does. Now, the, the, you, uh, don't, uh, don't fall asleep. <laughs> don't let your minds wander because I want you to listen carefully. Everything that God does in your life and everything God does through your life, God only does through your heart. Everything God does in you. So many Christians are looking for, for transformation, personal transformation in their lives. See, the only way that's ever going to happen is through your heart. It's not going to happen through, you know, self-discipline. Hallelujah. It's not going to happen. Now, listen, self-discipline can, can make the changes on the outside. But the moment you become tired, worn out, when emotionally you're down, then your life reverts back to what you've always been. And then you think to yourself, come on now. Because we're coming now to, to, to January. And, 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 and in January, we're going to make, you know, people going to, I've got a New Year's resolution. I've got a New Year's resolution. I want things. This is how my next, my life is going to be, you know. This is how I'm going to look at life. And this is how I want to see the next, my next part of my life. And you have all these beautiful intentions and looking at, at, at the, the, the hope of. And the problem is, you know, by February, you're already back to who you've always been. And then you think to yourself, I thought I was saved. Amen. That's, that's when disappointment in your salvation takes root. And you're thinking, I thought I was saved. I thought I was a new person. See, Proverbs, listen to this, this verse in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines... Now, the, the, the New Living Translation puts it like it. It determines the course, or, the, or let's put it this way, it determines the outcome of your life. Hey, that's awesome. Wow. Hmm. I th- well, I thought, you know, God is the one who determines. Yes, He is. He has determined for you, but He's going to have to work it through your heart. You're going to have to start, you're going to have to start realizing that what goes on in my heart will determine my future. Another another term used there, that, that term when it says determines the course or it sets the boundaries of your life. It it sets it sets the course of your life. But at the same time, the converse is also true, is that what goes on in your heart, in your belief system, will also set the boundaries of your life. And that's what a lot of Christians look at their lives, and they, and they see the boundaries of their lives, they, and they want to they break through these boundaries. That's what most people talk about when it comes to the beginning of the new year and having a new year's resolution they see the boundaries of their lives and they say i want to break through these boundaries because i know there's more behind this behind these boundaries Amen? amen 
The problem is you can never break through those boundaries unless you know how to affect your heart and the power that your heart wields in your life. Are you with me here? Amen. You see, we've got to understand is that uh, you can never go and you can never achieve and you can never uh, 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 produce where your heart is not willing to take you. You can never produce anything in your life and you can never go anywhere in your life where your heart is not willing. Or I could even put it this way, where your heart is unable to take you. And boy, I tell you, the frustration that so many of us have struggled with. Turn with me there, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to quickly look... Uh, you know, and, and, and hopefully we can get to the next part also. But, uh, you know, I, I know that this is already going to help you. You see, in the New Testament, Paul teaches about the power and the influence of what we believe in our hearts. Amen. So today, when I talk about your heart, I'm not talking about this pump that pumps your blood. When the Bible talks about the heart of man, it's speaking about the very core of who you are. It's the place where you believe. You see, the Bible doesn't say, for if a man shall believe in his big toe. No, it says, for if a man shall believe where? Where is the place where you believe? Your heart. So when I talk about the heart, I'm talking about your belief system. What you truly deep down believe. Oh, I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about what you agree to. See, there's a lot of people that say, that, say I, I know the Bible, or, or they'll say this, I know, I believe the Bible says. What they're actually saying is, they, they, they agree that the Bible says something. Believing is something that is very deep, in, and, and you can almost put it, in the subconscious. Wow. It's what is going on deep down within you that you're not even aware of most of the time. Yeah. It's what you've been trained in. It's what you've been disciplined in in your believing that becomes, in fact, in, in, in science, they say they speak about the subconscious mind. Yeah. Awesome. Right? The subconscious mind. I, you know, if you, if you understand, if you're just a little bit educated, you understand that as a human being, each and every one of us, each person here, you live your very life out of what's going on in your subconscious belief system. You, you very seldom make life decisions based upon accumulative knowledge. You will make life decisions. That means life and death decisions. Life and death decisions about money. Life and death decisions about family. Life and death decisions about where you live and how you live. You make based upon what is deeply rooted in your belief system. And the choices you make determines where you go. Are you with me here this morning? 
Is this a little too stout for the last service? Amen. Amen. All right. So let's have a look here. I want to show you something that Paul said. See, Paul teaches that what you believe in your heart influences your life to the place where you will either, you will either see the results or you will be separated from the very things God says you already have. Okay, turn. Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, let's look there from verse 17. Let me see if I can quickly get there. I told you to get there, and I didn't go there. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. Now, 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 the book of Ephesians, we've got to establish this first. The book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to whom? Okay, we, we're going to make this a Bible school class, okay? Amen. So who was he writing to? He was writing to the church at Ephesus. So he was writing to believers. Are you with me here? So he's not, he's not just writing in general to just whosoever. He's writing to a specific group of people who were believers in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. And now notice what he says to them. He says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Okay, so who's he talking to? Again, just this, he's talking to the church. The church are the believers. Yeah. Right? And he says now, he says henceforth from here on, don't walk. Now, most of the time I've ever heard people preach from this verse. I've heard them preach, and they'll use this verse to say, See, Paul is saying that you, as a believer, should stop living in sin like the Gentiles. Come on, isn't it so? I mean, it, and that's, that's what most people use. They use that verse. Paul is warning you to, to, to not live in the sin of the Gentiles. No, can, can I, can, I mean, you could look at it that way. I mean, you know, we could look at it as a warning. Don't live in sin. Because why? Sin will kill you, man. It was just that simple, right? But I believe that there's more to this here. He's, he's, the, the term there, to walk, means to live, to live your life. He says, don't live your life like mere Gentiles. Okay, so what, is, what, what this is telling me is Paul believes that you can be a born-again, spiritful believer and not, and not live a life any better than a Gentile or an unbeliever. And you know, here's the sad reality, is that a big majority of Christians live their lives. I believe he's saying don't live a quality of life. Don't live a standard of life just like the mere Gentiles live. And you know, the truth is that so many believers are living less than most people in the world. It's true, right? And that breaks my heart when I see that. And so he says, so, so I can see here that Paul is very clear. You can be a believer because notice the, what the next verse says. He says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated. What does the word alienate mean? Estranged. Uh, it, in fact, one of the better translations would be having your life divorced from. To be divorced from. To be separated from. 
Listen to what it says there. The, the life of God. Oh, I'm going to read that again. So that, hang on. What did Jesus say? He says, if you're a believer and you trust in him who sent him and you rely upon Jesus, he says, you possess right now, you have eternal Zoe life. Now, Paul says that you can be a believer and be estranged and separated from that very life you possess. Uh, let, 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 me, let, me, let me read this to you out of, out of the, uh, the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version says, Having this understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's the King James. Listen to the Amplified. Their moral understanding is darkened. Their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated estranged, now listen to this, self-banished. Self-banished. God's not banishing them. It's not the devil that's banishing them. They are (laughs) self-banished. Listen to what it says. Self-banished from the life of God. That's the Zoe of God. So it's possible to be a believer, possess the very Zoe of God, But be estranged and self-banished from experiencing the fullness of that in your life. How? How? He says, um, because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception and the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to the hardness of heart. The word hardness there means insensitivity. The insensitivity of their hearts. So what I'm, and and, you know, really, this is all I wanted to show you here. And that is that what Paul is saying is the condition of your heart belief can determine whether you are uh, united with and experiencing the life of God or if you're separated from it, self-banished from it. You said to me, how can I be self-banished? Well, you know, you know, so many believers, I call it self-banished by, by the limiting beliefs. We have, we have beliefs in our hearts that limit us. I said, well, what kind of limiting beliefs? So many of us as believers, we, 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 we take the promises of God. By the stripes of Jesus I am healed, hallelujah. And we'll walk around, we'll, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, hallelujah, I'm healed. Praise God, I'm, I was healed, yes, hallelujah. But deep down in your heart, you feel that God is somehow disappointed in you. See, that belief is a limiting belief and will separate you from ever experiencing that promise. See, you cannot ever walk in health and healing as long as you carry a belief in your heart that you're a disappointment to God. Yeah, but Arthur, surely God must be disappointed in me. Because everybody I know is disappointed in me. 
See, you might be here today and you think, well, you know, my, my parents are disappointed. My wife is disappointed. My husband is disappointed. My, my, my pastor is disappointed. But you've got to understand this. God is not. Because the only way that God can be disappointed in you is he would have to first become disappointed in Jesus. And he is never going to become disappointed in Jesus. Therefore, he will never be disappointed with you. Amen. You see, Proverbs 17.20 says this, He that hath a forward heart finds no good. He who has a forward, that's an old English word for crooked, for, for, for bent, out of shape. He who has a forward, crooked, bent, out of shape heart finds no good. Now, it, it, listen, do you realize what that is saying is, it's not saying there is no good. It's just that he can't find it. And, it, and notice he didn't say, you know, he that is in bondage, he that, is, he that the devil has in bondage. No, he says he who has a stupid belief system. He who has a crooked, bent, wrong belief system cannot find good, even if good standing right in front of him. Wow. Wow. Let me ask you this. How many people do you know See, I always just like, how many people do you know? I don't want to say, are you this guy, right? How many people do you know? Or how many people have you met that can't seem to find any good in their lives? But when you, when you stand on the outside looking at their lives, you can, you can, see, you can see so much opportunity. You can see so much good in their lives. And, you, and have you ever tried to point it out to those people? <laughs> Amen. I mean, have you ever been around those people? It's like nothing's going right. Man, my life stinks. And you, and you, you stand back and you say, no, but look, look, look at this. Look at your wife. Look at your children. Look at, you know. yeah, but. <laughs> it's like they can't see it. Is it because it's not there? No. It's because of what they believe in their hearts. <laughs> you see, the problem is, is that in, we're living in a society today, and especially in the Western world, we live in a society where we have been so indoctrinated in a belief system of the fact that my life is the way it is because somebody else is at fault. Amen. My life stinks because of the government. It's amazing that there's people who live in the same under the same government, who live in the same situation. And they can make it and prosper and, and have a wonderful life. And you're, you're still blame The problem here, listen. As long as you're blaming somebody else for the condition of your life, guess who's never going to change? Yeah, 
But if it's, if, if it's only if it wasn't for these people, then my life would be so much better. Amen. It's sometimes, it's sometimes hard because we've been... See, it's so... Listen, he said to me, what's it got to do with Christianity? As Christians, listen to how Christians talk. The devil. I tell you, the devil's on my back today, man. I'm telling you that my life stinks because the devil is... We're blaming the devil. Oh, we've been taught in Scripture, anything that goes wrong in my life, it's the devil. You know, one day, many years ago, I I remember God gave me a little vision. I was blaming the devil for everything. And And the Lord said to me, this is what I see. And I saw the gates of heaven and the walls of heaven. And I see the devil on the outside. And he's jumping up and down. To try and look over the wall. And he's shouting to God. It's not me. They're blaming me all of this. It's not me. The Bible says the devil is a nobody. He's a nothing. Captain Zero. Andrew Womack says with the rim knocked off. <laughs> Amen. He's a nobody. But we're blaming him all the time. And the problem is, as long as we're going to blame the devil for my circumstances, my situation, my life, then guess who will never change? You. And who is the common denominator in your circumstances? You. Oh, hallelujah. You see, we got to go and we got to realize that we can go and live. We can, we can face this new year. And we can say, you know what? I'm going to focus on that which matters. You know, if you're here today, you don't have to put up your hand. You don't, have to, you don't even have to acknowledge. But if you're here today and you say, you know what? My life is not what it can be or what it should be. Because, and, and I'm not experiencing what I, what I could be experiencing And if you hear and you say, I look at my life and I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like where I'm going. I don't like what I'm experiencing. Then you have to realize this. The only way that will ever change is if you will change what you've been believing. Proverbs Proverbs chapter 4 says... It says, protect or guard your heart. Not my, not guard or protect your wife's heart. No, if you guard and protect your heart, for out of your heart will flow the forces that drive your life. Now, now, now here's, here's what most Christians, when you see the reality of what that says. The condition of my life today is a direct result of what I've been believing in the past. So if you don't like what you're seeing today, don't blame the devil. Don't blame your wife. It's not those, this woman thou gavest me. Don't, don't, blame, don't, blame, don't blame your mother-in-law. 
Amen. Amen. I said, does that mean I'm to blame? It's amazing how Christians, it's Christians, you, are, you bl- are you saying I'm to blame? Okay, no, hang on. Let, let, let's forget about the term blame. Let's just say, take responsibility. Am I going to take responsibility? Hallelujah. It's, it, it, you've got to realize you are, you are, Maybe not to blame, but you're responsible. You're responsible for where your life goes. Hallelujah. God has given you everything. The responsibility now to you is, am I going to do what it takes to focus in the right place? Amen. Turn with me there. Ephesians chapter 3. How are we doing? I've got six minutes. Hallelujah. Okay, Ephesians chapter, chapter 3. Just turn back there, one page. Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verse 14. Listen to this. It says, Paul says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? And what what, what do I, what I, here's here's Paul, and he says, This is what I pray. You know, whenever you find where Paul or Peter or one of the apostles writes and they write down what their prayers are for other people, then take special notice. Take special notice of what's being said because here Paul is going to reveal what he believes to be absolutely important for you to live in the fullness of what God has for you. So he says, he comes and he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now listen to these words. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. By his spirit, listen to this, where? In the inner man. What I hear, what I hear him saying here is I'm hearing him say, he says, I pray that God will empower your life from the inside out. Amen? From the inside out. Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Amen? Amen? So then, the first time I heard that, the first time I got a revelation of that verse, I mean, it took a hold of my heart. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, there's a key here, there's a key to this, right? And boy, I tell you, as, as I looked, I started praying. I, I, I would take this to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you strengthened me with might by your spirit in the inner man. And every time I did that, it would empower me. But very quickly it disappeared. And I said to the Lord, Lord, what's happened? Am I not saved anymore? You know, this, this verse doesn't speak to me. And the Lord said to me, read further. Read further. He says that, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, of course, number one, you need to be a believer, right? But I believe, you know, when Paul speaks about Christ, 
He's not just talking about Jesus. He's talking about Christ crucified. And so I believe that Paul is saying, and this is what the Lord showed me. He said, I want to strengthen you from the inside out. But this is how I do it. If you will allow Christ, that means Christ and the finished work of the cross. Christ crucified. The the truth. If you will take the truth of the finished work of Jesus on the cross for you, and you take the truth of that and let it, it says, abide. That term there in the Greek means to set up camp. Let it set up camp in your heart. Where? Your heart. By faith. The only way we can do that is by faith, by trust, by finding out, looking at what Jesus accomplished and look at the finished work of Christ. And then through that, I now allow it by faith to become the focus of my attention, the focus of my meditation, the focus of my my intimacy with God. I focus upon Christ and Him crucified and what that means to me. Listen to what it says here. He says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Mm. See, notice it says that you being. I used to, I used to say this scripture says you need to become rooted. Now he's saying that you being rooted. That I believe that when you start to focus on the finished work of Jesus, which Paul, Paul in Romans chapter 5 calls the finished the cross. He says, it is the demonstration of God's love. When you will put your focus upon the demonstration of God's love, you're going to start to discover that there has never been a moment in your existence when God has not loved you. You're going to discover, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what's happened in your life, there's not been a moment, not a, not a millisecond of your existence that the Father hasn't loved you. And notice, notice it says, he says, and to know the love of Christ, Sorry, you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. That you might be filled with all the fullness. Now notice it didn't say with the fullness, but with all. The fullness of God. You see, I believe that if we will focus our hearts and our belief system on the right things, the right truth, Paul is saying, you will just discover that your life becomes filled with everything God has ever promised, with His life. Because the next verse says this, for he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or even think. Listen, according to, according.
according to. So this means you've got to look for the reason. According to the power that works within you. Not the power of God out there. The power of God that works in you. You know, when we will start to function... I wish I had much more time, and, and of course, I don't want to take all your time here. But, I, uh, you know, if you discover that when you start to focus your life, your attention, your meditation, your study upon Christ and Him crucified and what He accomplished as a finished work in your life that is done, I don't need to, I don't need to become holy, I am holy. I don't need to become healed, I am the healed. I start to look at that and I start to focus upon that and I start to see that. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You will start to find that you live in the fullness of God by accident better than you've ever tried to live it on purpose. You'll start to experience prosperity like you've never experienced. You will start to experience health and, 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 and a soundness of mind like you've never experienced before. You'll start to experience peace like you've never experienced before. And you might look and say, how did this happen? It's nothing that you've done in, except for you focused your attention on the way God has made you to function. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you learn something this morning? Hallelujah. You know, as we... Thank you. Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I really encourage you as we come to the end of this year and we look forward to next year and we look forward to a hope and a confident expectation. Not the hope of, I just... I hope, I hope that some way... Habragadabra, it's going to happen. No. I'm going to hope for a future that I have confidence in. And that we can make New Year's resolutions and say, you know what? Next year, this is what I want to accomplish. This is where I want to go. And now I know how to get there. Because if I can get my heart to believe the truth, my heart will take me there. Hallelujah. Amen. In Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, we just honor you. We just thank you for just the simplicity, really, of how you've made us to function. And Lord, your your word says that if a man shall believe in his heart, confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, hallelujah, they shall be saved. So if there's anybody here this morning, if you don't know Jesus, you don't, you've never, you've never come and said, Jesus, I, I trust and rely and put my faith in you. And I accept you as my Savior, my Lord this morning. If that's you this morning, then I just encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Would you do that? And I want us all to pray this prayer together for just to, to, to help those who are this morning and you say, you know, Arthur, I, 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 I want to live this fullness of what God has. I want to have this abundant life. I want to have this Zoe life, this eternal life, this quality of life 
then, then, then just pray this prayer with me this morning. Say, Heavenly Father, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my Deliverer. Jesus, I receive you. I accept that you died on, in my uh, behalf, that your blood was shed, and I receive you. And I confess you are my Lord and you're my Savior. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.